Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 174 for Monday, January 3rd, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan and joining me as always is Johnny, but you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you. And if you folks want to hear a little bit more about what we've got up to in the last little while, including Joel adding to his audio-visual experience uh, through some some interesting new kit for watching movies at home or what I've been doing playing uh, Gartic Phone with my family, you can hear more about that in The Render Distance. That's the extended version of the podcast that we record every week for our patrons. You can get in on the extended conversation at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and speaking of that it is of course the first episode of the month indeed the first episode of the new year so once again thanks to everybody who stuck around and supported us on patreon as we head into the new year your support is always appreciated and helps make this show possible so we'll start with a quick login and uh, i will get mine out of the way I haven't played Minecraft in nearly a month. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was, um, well, three weeks, I guess. There was a spot before the holidays where I did uh, one stream and then I did the Lego stream. And then over Christmas, I was threatening. I was I was saying I was going to do some extra streams. I was going to play some Minecraft. And I just ended up taking a break from streaming mm -hmm. and realized that a lot of the times that I play a computer game, I'm streaming. I tend not to play computer games on my own time. And so um, I just haven't done anything. Uh, and I, I'm i happy to say that it was a nice break. Like, I mean, I'm looking forward to this weekend when I'm going to be back streaming Minecraft on the Citadel. We've got some stuff to take care of on the Citadel that we're going to talk about later in the show today. And uh, I just ended up playing on the Xbox. Like, I've got Game Pass, you know, Halo came out and Forza came out. And I just decided to enjoy my time on the Xbox and messing around with some, some cool stuff in the living room. And... It was a nice break, you know, getting inspiration from watching films like The Hobbit, um, some ideas for Elven stuff that I want to do in the in Minecraft now. So, I mean, we talk about it all the time on the show, but taking a break and a good one, like a long break from a creative game like Minecraft or, you know, whatever game that you're playing that requires that kind of like building, I find can really rejuvenate your inspiration and just kind of like make you a little bit more excited to get back because you've taken some time away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I advocate for it much as I will joke about, like, oh no, stepping away from Minecraft, what happens? The entire <laughs> world goes away. But no, I, I agree. It's it's nice to get a bit of a, a refresher every now and again, especially if you need it. And I know that a lot of people around the holidays or throughout the month of January, I know Hermitcraft is taking a break in between seasons right now, and I expect for a lot of them it's going to be such a nice period of recharging. And there are some who will just go and play Minecraft in another form. You go play modded for a while, or you start a, a hardcore world, or whatever you want to do something temporary and then you can come back into the vanilla game with fresh eyes and new ideas and that kind of stuff but uh yeah it's it's a good time to do it because you know it's the the, the nights are drawing in especially uh, around here in the, the the northern part of the northern hemisphere and it's kind of nice to be uh you know checking out some other games before you get into things in earnest uh in the rest of the year for me, I mean, I've been playing enough Minecraft for the both of us, so I think I can <laughs> I can probably cover the rest of the, the quick login. I've been ticking off all of the early game stuff in my survival guide world now. We've done a bunch of caving, we've introduced fishing to the series, we've explored a bit of the nether, now I'm onto things like potion brewing and starting to tinker with some automated farms. Like, I just domesticated a couple of dungeon spawners, and like it, it's starting to get the ball rolling a little bit. The momentum is really building. And, you know, for my part, I want to keep that going. Um, 
so I've, I've had a couple of interesting experiences. I've been trying to look at the game from the perspective of what the intended mechanics are, or at least the ones that seem intuitive to newer players, because obviously those are the things that Mojang works really hard on, and then players just end up with their own ways of doing things after a while, the habits that you develop and the game-breaking stuff that you do before you've even had the intended experience, right? Thinking of all of the people who, as soon as they get to the nether, will build a ladder up to the nether roof and start their nether hub up there, instead of even exploring the environment around them, right? Um, so I've been doing some stuff the intended way. I built a fishing shack with a copper roof, just built the entire thing out of regular copper blocks, didn't lay them out to age, even though I actually want them to be fully oxidized by the end of it. I'm letting them oxidize over time as a giant unit. And as somebody who's been working with copper for the last six months in 117, it's a bit bit painful, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but so far, the roof is just reaching the, the stage where all of the blocks are the first stage of aging. They're the exposed copper so far. And then we'll get into weathered and fully oxidized from there. But it's kind of nice. In a way, it's something that shows up in the background and people can kind of see as they watch the videos how far along everything goes. But it's interesting seeing that considering that was what was pitched as the intended experience of Copper when they introduced it at Minecraft Live a couple of years back. Um, so yeah, it's it's fun to, to treat things that way instead of doing the approach we've discussed before on the show of laying everything out so that it's the colour you want it when it goes into the build for the first time. And having done a couple of test builds, I know what it's going to look like, so I'm happy with the way it will look. But in the meantime, yeah, the uh, the exposed copper roof is a little bit ugly. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of the color it is right now. Luckily, all of the good stuff is is coming up. One of the benefits to that too is, is um, conveying the passage of time to your viewers, where yes. a lot of YouTube cuts and and time lapses and stuff. Well, it's clear that you know you're putting time into the game it doesn't always feel that way on the receiving end, like on the viewing side. So watching many, many of your videos as this shack is slowly changing block by block in the background is a better kind of like marker for the passage of time. Yeah, it sure is. And you can tell when I've been doing a lot of fishing <laughs> because the roof has aged a couple <laughs> of stages at that stage. And yeah, I've, I've been doing a lot of that mainly just in case I get mending books because then I have the opportunity to talk about mending and applying it to tools that aren't just fished straight out of the river like a fishing rod or a bow that might have mending on it. Um, but I still don't have any. So sooner or later, I'm going to have to go out and find a village. Uh, but I did ask a bunch of people from my community, you know, I put a poll on YouTube and on Twitter, what should I cover first? Should I do automatic farms just for things like sugarcane and pumpkins and melons, maybe bone meal, um, that kind of thing. And it was either that or villagers. And they said, probably do automatic farms first, because then once you've got a ton of rotten flesh, you've got a ton of sugarcane from your farms, you've got pumpkins and melons, then you can start to explore some of the early villager trades instead of having to go around and harvest that stuff manually. So it made a lot of sense. And I'm saving a village. I haven't even found a village yet uh, until, you know, wow. maybe a, a week down the line. But yeah, I've done a bunch of exploring, like maybe a thousand blocks in the cardinal directions from my spawn point. And there isn't a village there as far as I can tell. And there are probably some further out in the world. I just need to, you know, hang a left at the savannah or whatever, and I'll I'll find one. But um, I've been, been taking it slow and happily doing so for now. I still haven't found a desert, uh, an ocean temple, any mountains beyond the occasional sort of meadow hill uh, on, on plains biomes. And I'm, I'm okay with that for the moment because... 
It's an authentic experience of the world. I'm trying not to look stuff up on chunk base or rush around or, you know, take coordinates from people in the community. I'm I'm trying to explore it all in an authentic way. And so I'm I'm quite happy to just work with what I've got for the moment and then later on down the line when I find a desert I can start thinking okay well desert temples are a factor here and desert wells and the villages that will pop up here and there and what else can we do with the desert can we look for fossils that kind of thing and I've got a massive google doc now of like future episode ideas that are just going to have to wait until I find the precise biome or structure or the resources that I need to uh, start those activities. Out of curiosity and without pulling back the curtain too far are you recording well ahead with the survival guide? I was before Christmas, but then I, I kind of let things slip back into a real-time thing. And that's also because I'm streaming from the world every couple of days now. And right. I, yeah. I wanted to save streams for after after Christmas and, and into the new year, basically. And I realized that if I make too much progress, then... I'm either going to be spoiling everything for the people who care about the continuity of the series when I stream, or I'm going to be gathering resources on the stream that are going to put me sort of ages ahead and people won't be able to kind of sync up where my progress is at if they're the kind of people who care about that stuff. So yeah, I, I decided that it's probably better to take a maybe a day or two ahead if I can, but then some of the projects start to get bigger as well. I ended up converting these dungeon spawners, which took a little bit of time, and there's a couple of bits and pieces here and there. Build projects especially will take me a day or two if I want to design something in creative, you know, get the whole build right, and then make sure I have all of the resources in survival before I actually end up building it. Yeah, I, I've thought about that because I've been putting the VODs of my stuff up on a, a YouTube channel and it's so far behind that I was worried that it wouldn't be worth doing. I'm glad I've archived it now because of course a lot of the videos are off of, off of Twitch, mm -hmm. but uh, now I'm to the point where I'm caught up and I, there's something about, I think it's the fact that I do mostly streaming and not, a, not any edited content anymore as far as minecraft goes i really do enjoy like doing things either at the same time or or like with the audience or um people are watching a vod from like yesterday as yeah. opposed to weeks and weeks and weeks ago um because i've run into that when i'm watching other content of people that do play far ahead and like they'll you you watch a stream and you're like, what is going on? Like everything is different compared to like where they are with the the video series and stuff. So mm -hmm. um, it's nice to kind of line those things up. I find too that it's just it's um it's a more rewarding experience for me too. As you say, take things slow. You know, like I remember one of the things that I, I talked about in Twitch chat before the the break was like, oh wow, like Joel, now I know why this this build is taking you more than a year. I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> Because I'm mm -hmm. not, I mean, I'm not rushing to try to get through it, but it's also, I mean, I'm also just a slow, I'm a slow artist anyway, um, but I, I'm a slow builder in terms of like, you know, mulling over every little detail. Um, in terms of like the the stuff that you're doing in the early game, because you are taking it slow, are you also kind of like painstakingly building the details and stuff of your of your your starter base and, and moving from there? Or are you being a little bit more free with just like i need to get this fishing shack up and and ready to go in, in terms of your your approach 
Yeah, I tend to focus on one thing at a time. Like, I'm not doing too much background building yet. And that's mm -hmm. mostly because I want to introduce some of the concepts that I'm going to put into the background building before I just say, you're going to notice a couple of things that change in between episodes, and that's totally fine. Like, for, for the sake of continuity right now, I'm not really focused too much on this area. And because I'm building around spawn, I'm trying to think of, you know, do I really want to go all out on a theme for this area and decorate to the nines when... I'm probably going to end up moving away to start a base that's got a stronger theme somewhere with a slightly more inspiring landscape. My spawn area is a birch forest with some rivers around, so it's quite a nice peaceful area, but it's nothing special and nothing too representative of 1.18's terrain changes. So I'm thinking maybe we go and find a mountain with a giant kind of snow-capped peak that I can build some kind of like giant thing on and that's where i can do a lot more of the aesthetic stuff alongside maybe a couple of other projects related to the resources of the area like start farming powdered snow and that kind of thing but you know the the state it's at right now i'm not that keen on rushing ahead and doing too much quote-unquote off camera um in between things whereas i think in future i'll be more comfortable with that i think right now yeah i'm, I'm much happier taking a, a slower approach to everything Moving into the new section of the podcast, there really isn't anything to report because as uh, one would expect, the Mojang team has been on a very well-deserved vacation. Uh, so there isn't any real Minecraft news to report. However, uh, there is um, nothing to report bad either. It means that the um, Java edition uh, hasn't experienced anything uh, catastrophic. That would mean in 118.2 release would need to be out soon. So uh, all good. Uh, on that side of things. However, uh, we thought it would be fun to kind of speculate what we'd like to see from the news uh, in the coming years. So Johnny, you had some thoughts. Yeah, um, mainly because I've been seeing a bit of this on Twitter from people who've been playing over the holidays. My hope for 2022 is that we end up seeing fewer issues in major releases for Bedrock Edition. And I know that's very specific and not necessarily in my personal wheelhouse. I don't end up playing Bedrock all that much, but I've been following the community a little bit more as it's developing. And Bedrock Edition is starting to shake off its negative reputation among especially Java players um, because there are new features being beta tested on Bedrock before we see them in Java snapshots. So naturally, the community is paying a bit more attention to Bedrock Edition in general. And I've also noticed a change in maybe a bit of communication strategy or maybe just the way they prefer to share things. Uh, online where the gameplay developers folks like king b dogs talking about the the warden uh, being developed for bedrock edition they're being more open about their workflow with the bedrock team um and so i kind of want the bedrock edition of the game uh, and, and its player base to have you know i don't know i don't want to call it like higher quality standards because i'm sure there are rigorous quality standards that still have to be maintained but Java Edition now has a much better record, especially with recent releases, of not releasing a new update with immersion-breaking bugs. A, f a couple of years back, I forget which release it was, it was 114 or 115 maybe, uh, there was a release where a bunch of chunk loading errors happened and there were just visual glitches that were all over the place, and from that point on they said, nope, we're not, we're not releasing the game in this kind of condition anymore, the player base isn't happy with it, let's see if we can you know, push for better quality control as we end up in release. Whereas right now, Bedrock Edition has a bunch of immersion-breaking bugs. There are reports of boats disappearing when you stand up out of them, um, entities disappearing, which has been an issue along chunk borders for a while, but is now like entire chunks worth of, you know, villagers and things like that will just not be there when you turn around. 
And while obviously it's uh, a huge task maintaining this game, especially with additional features being added in the development cycle, pushing new features to the Bedrock Edition betas and focusing on that stuff, I think it's really important that such a large swath of the community has a version of Minecraft that they can feel confident in playing without stuff like this breaking whenever they turn their backs. So my hope for 2022 is that the community continues to show support for Bedrock Edition in the way that makes the developers a little bit more keen to iron out those bugs and that the community can do what they do to help find those bugs and report them before it makes it to a uh, to a full release. For me, and I, I don't want to sound impatient at all, um, but I am looking forward to the Deep Dark and the Warden starting to make their way into the snapshot and news cycle. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious to see the development of the swamp and related features as well. Obviously, the wild update has got a lot more than just the deep dark happening. But it's it's not that, again, not that I'm impatient. It's more like it'll be interesting to see the news cycle shift back from earth-shattering, world-bending, sweeping, game-changing features to something a little bit more finite, like frogs, mangrove trees, mm -hmm. chess boats, yeah. you know, like the, stuff like that. I think will be um, a, a different pace uh, and less kind of like um, I don't want to say I'm just, I'm wondering if there's going to be less fervor like you know when things have drastic changes like the light stuff or uh, spawning changes and you see a huge part of the community just react you know differently from another I don't know if we're going to have that much of a division with the smaller things. Um, so I'll be curious to see, uh, that, and also like just better to get back to, um, talking about individual and more specific things rather than just like, you know, there's only so much you can kind of speculate about, um, like terrain changes from screenshots and, and walking around. You have to actually spend time in the game. Whereas yeah. like you can get a little bit more of a, out of a news read and a, and a, and a, a small playthrough with frogs like you did the other day. Um, and, and learn more about them in a smaller period of time. Whereas like, I felt like the, the world changing and the world, um, topographical changes in, in 118, they're more of a, you have to spend some time to yeah. really get a feel. And as two people that do a podcast about Minecraft, like, I feel like I'm not even that ready to talk about what it's like to play in 118 terrain because i really haven't spent much time in it 118 terrain is much more of like a bigger picture development which yeah, yeah it takes mm -hmm. a while to digest it for sure and yeah it's interesting because the last couple of updates obviously with the caves and cliffs split we've had a bunch of features like what we're getting in the wild update effectively we've got a mob we've got a new tree we've got you know a couple of other quality of life features and stuff like that but people were impatient for the terrain changes and so they were looking ahead to 118 to really provide the full experience. And then 118 came out and the other half of the community who was excited about the mobs and the blocks and the new stuff was like, well, 118 doesn't really add anything, despite the fact that the entire world has changed. Yeah. And so with the wild update, hopefully we're getting back to the notion of everything that they've said is coming in this update will end up being added all at once. And hopefully people can realize that we're back into a cycle of you know, everybody getting what they want at the same time is, is what I hope because we've seen a bit of division in the community over the fact that the Caves and Cliffs update was split in the first place. Some people thinking it was a good thing that we got a small update a couple of times and that we've been able to gradually ease into this stuff. More people just wanting a ton of stuff to happen all at once and willing to wait for it. 
and some people just not understanding the reasons for the split in the first place so hopefully that period of uncertainty is behind us and yeah it, it is going to be great to see a little bit more of the deep dark the warden and all of the other features they have planned for the wild update i am mostly curious to see if the birch forests that they teased in the concept mm. art of minecraft mm-hmm. live are actually going to see as much development as people are hoping for um but that's you know again all something that we're going to leave up to mojang as we move forward into the new year i think that's the thing too is that a lot of the updates week to week with the terrain changes were like we've changed this height to that height and it's like okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) you can't really see the change whereas like you know we found out just the other week that frogs will eat baby slimes and drop slime balls yeah right like that's not something that was reported at at minecraft live as far as i remember so like we're going to be getting these little bits these little breadcrumbs hopefully in in the news um i mean i'm crossing my fingers so that, and just like you said like with the birch forest like there's going to be stuff that we don't know about yet whereas i feel like with 118 true to their promise they kind of told us all that was coming and then they delivered on it but there was really no surprises which i think is kind of one of the fun things about the news cycle when something happens you're like oh they didn't say they were going to eat slimes that's cool you know it just kind of adds that extra flavor yeah once again all of the surprises are things that you have to find over time in your own worlds rather than being like a, a fun little feature like a side effect of something that they can announce ahead of time um let's move into chunk mail this week because we have a bunch of email just to kind of cover the fact that we didn't have a great deal of news this week we've got a a few things a couple of fun responses to previous topics and so forth and if you'd like to email the show if you've considered emailing the show before thought the new year is your new year's resolution is to write into the show you can do that at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com the first email comes in from oscar and the subject is the pain of deep slate mining I have had the same experience as the rest of the minecraft community with the pain of deep slate mining and i'd like to suggest a possible solution the wither using the wither to mine yields incredible amounts of deep slate producing four shulker boxes of deep slate in about 30 minutes you just dig a long tunnel at diamond level this way you get diamonds as well then spawn the wither at the end and repeatedly punch it as you walk backwards This is certainly not an early game technique, but this is a good way to get a lot of deep slate for something like a mega project. What do you think? Oscar withered away whilst mining for deep slate. (laughs) And I think you've introduced the downside to this one as well as the the positives. Uh, What do you think, Joel? Have you ever tried mining using a wither? I have never fought the wither. I've cheesed the wither. But when we created the world uh, in the Citadel, we has, we started it in 112. Mm-hmm. So in the nether, there are those little three by three ceiling bits where you can make the wither and it just kind of sticks its head up into the bedrock yeah. and you just kind of hack at it. Um, so I've never fought the wither uh, in terms of like a straight up battle. Um, and uh, I probably don't intend to. Although my using it to mine is an interesting idea. My luck I'd end up going into a giant cavern and then (laughs) it would just be everywhere. And I think I would be more inclined to do it if it was a single player world, but on a server, I just like if that got out or if there was any kind of thing where it just kind of ends up being a problem for everybody. Like I, I don't want to be the one responsible for that. And I mean, I've, I'm not, you know, I make no bones about, about saying that I'm not a big like fighter in Minecraft. I don't like PVP. I don't even really like PVE that much. Uh, I don't find first person sword 
you know, battle to be that good or that easy. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I have a hard time with with things like the Wither. Um, now that said, I'm on Java. Apparently, on Bedrock, it's even harder to yes. fight the Wither. So yeah, that was my I haven't, I haven't, my introductory yeah. point to this email was uh, for bonus points. Try doing this on Bedrock. Um, the Wither's dash behavior on Bedrock, um, instead of trying to hover above you constantly, it basically like dashes towards you. Um, once it gets to its second phase, I think I forget. But either way. Um, it breaks about a shulker worth of blocks in an instant. So definitely an interesting way of mining. And I, I feel like part of the problem with fighting the Wither on Bedrock the one time I did it was that my inventory immediately got clogged up with blocks, so I couldn't really do much. Um, but yeah, he's several times harder to kill, mainly because Bedrock health regeneration doesn't work the same way as Java does, and so it gets increasingly difficult managing how long the Wither effect lasts for. Um, but yeah, you, you could potentially mine a lot that way. Um, I laughed a little bit when I read the this way you get diamonds as well as if the wither isn't going to just chew through the rest of the diamond ore as it blows everything up around you. Um, I can see this being potentially useful. I don't trust the wither to not get distracted. Uh, like you, I, I worry that it would end up too close to a nearby cave without me realizing and the wither's AI targets mobs nearby through walls even, which is why for a lot of people, if you build the wither sort of summoning thing underground even sometimes when it's not focused on the player it will just divert off vertically and go and kill like a bat that it sees in a a nearby tunnel or something like that so it can be a little bit rough then again i haven't tried other methods of mass mining deep slate yet because i'm not really at that point but i presume tnt isn't going to be all that fruitful because of deep slate having a little extra blast resistance compared to stone and tnt is not really that good on stone to begin with if you're clearing it out yes if you want to actually harvest the stuff probably not and i mean personally we discussed this previously but for for me i'm getting enough deep slate for now just from digging around in caves because a lot of my mining takes place at lower levels now because i'm looking for rare resources and that's where you get more diamonds more redstone i think the problem for me is not having enough cobblestone at this point in the game because we're ending up in lower regions of the world in order to go and seek out those valuable resources so yeah i'm i'm not certain that i will need enough deep slate yet to really you know mess with this as a method but i might try it later if i decide i want to build an entire castle out of the stuff i wonder if that's what oscar was talking about when he said punching the wither as you walk backwards like to keep aggro on you i wonder if that's the purpose of giving it a, a tap from time to time yeah maybe to keep keep it from being distracted by other other things um I I'm I don't know whether the like does the wither explosions and and bombs not destroy items on the ground or do you just is the loss so insignificant considering the amount of stuff that it breaks that you just you might as well just you know take the loss and still end up with you know four shulker boxes full of full of stuff it depends because I think the way it works is if the wither is idle and you attack it in some way, whether it's a punch or a projectile or something like that, then it destroys blocks around it if it can't get out. But as it's moving, it will fire those skull projectiles and it doesn't tend to do the sort of area of effect explosion. It more just kind uh. of like fireballs stuff randomly. 
And so, right. you know, if it's aiming mostly at you, then it's not going to hit too much of the stuff on the ground. But the problem, Fair. the problem I always have with the Wither fight is if I end up dying, then it's usually still directing projectiles at the spot where I died, and that's when all of my stuff gets destroyed. So right. the explosions are smaller. They can destroy some dropped items. But I think, like you said, it's likely to be insignificant compared to the amount of chaos that it's caused elsewhere and the amount of blocks that will just be left on the ground afterwards. And if you're... If you're doing this on purpose and you know that you're going in there with potential death, like if you're not carrying a whole lot other than maybe the things that you're collecting as you go, then with a bed nearby, like dying wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, you could just go back, continue to aggro the wither until you can go back to your stuff, get your good gear and then go kill it if you want to end the thing. I mean, this kind of reminds me of the the difficulty discussion that we had before Christmas, which um, was mostly talking about 118 being harder than most people anticipated. But if, in case you're on the other side of that fence, if you find that 118 or Minecraft in general is too easy, talk about a way to make it harder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do, do all your with mining wither. with withers. Yeah, that's a, yeah. an interesting challenge for the uh, the folks who are inclined towards that that style of gameplay. Moving on to our next set of emails. These are both related to uh, slime chunks and things we talked about in previous episodes. Uh, first one comes in from Sam C. Slime Spawning Solution. Hey, Pix and Joel. In episode 172, Pixel Riffs was discussing possible solutions for finding slime chunks without the use of external tools. What if there was a map of sorts that a cartographer would give you to indicate the location of slime chunks in a certain area? This map could give a straightforward top-down view of slime spawning areas as well as possibly suggest some lore in the game. Love to hear your thoughts, Sam. Next email comes from Joel number two. That's your name now officially, by the way. Uh, slime Switch. Hi, Joel and Pix. Joel number two here. In a recent episode, Pirate Guy 01 emailed you about his issue of building his base in a slime chunk underground. I think I have a potential solution. You could capture a bunch of the slime and put them in a holding cell where they can't attack you anymore. Once you have caught enough, no new slime will spawn, right? If you want the slimes out of sight, you can transport them to the top or bottom of the world, but in the same slime chunk. Or if you want to incorporate them into your base, you can make a slime quote unquote ball pit of sorts and break them all down into the small slimes and then have an area where you can't, they can't escape, but you can go in and bounce around with them if you want. Let me know your thoughts. Joel lived happily ever after bouncing with the baby slimes. <laughs> That's a, uh, a fun way of, of resolving that problem. Although I'm going to answer the, the first email while we're just, while it's fresh in our minds here. Um, capturing slimes, unfortunately, isn't probably the answer because slimes aren't persistent natively, as far as I know. I, I don't think if you break a slime down by attacking it, it stays persistent. Like other hostile mobs, they'll despawn once you leave the area, and then if you name tag them to make them persistent, that removes them from the mob cap, allowing other mobs to spawn. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, fun though the slime ball pit idea is, it's not going to resolve the problem, and it would basically require you to recapture a bunch of slimes every time you return to your base, and then make sure you were, were, were within 32 blocks of them at all times, otherwise they have a chance of despawning. Then once you get 128 blocks away, they instantly despawn. So yeah, tragically, not a viable solution, although it did bring to mind the idea of a hostile mob switch, which I don't think was a... Um, an option that we explored previously, it would resolve Pirate Guy 01's problem, but also creates the problem 
uh, potentially a problem of no other hostile mobs spawning in the surrounding caves so you wouldn't be able to get gunpowder from creepers bones from skeletons you know find zombie villagers that kind of thing you would probably require a lot of zombie villagers to make a hostile mob switch in the first place though because the simplest way of doing it the one that i did back in the end of my last survival guide world was to have a bunch of villagers that you've traded with once so the game knows you've traded with them and you want to keep them around and then you zombify them presuming you're playing on hard and the zombification rate is 100 percent you end up with a bunch of villagers that the game has tagged as persistent because it doesn't want you to lose a villager that you've already traded with so as long as they don't burn up in the sunlight they will stay there regardless of whether they're name tagged or not uh, if they're holding items i think that also removes them from the mob caps so basically you have to have a bunch of zombie villagers that you've traded with once and then if you move them in and out of your spawn chunks that occupies the entire mob cap if the spawn chunks stay loaded while you're in the overworld then the mob cap is taken up permanently and if you move them in and out of the spawn chunks you can control where the hostile mobs spawn in other parts of the world um again that's very end game obviously right now this uh, our correspondent was just setting up their base in this slime chunk so it might be a a long way off at that stage but that that is potentially a longer term solution of dealing with it with the added disadvantage potentially that it removes hostile mob spawning from everywhere else in the world as well given the rate at which slimes spawn and the fact that my slime farm actually happens to be something that creates baby slimes i run the slimes through a waterway and has lava blades in it that slowly cut the slimes down to size until the final killing blow is just a waterfall with little baby slimes just kind of fall to their death on hoppers and i get the slime balls but you could do that in a way where they wouldn't die. Uh, and just like as you're in the area, this tank is just going to fill up with with sl baby slimes. I don't know what that's going to do to your frame rate um, or or the, the game in general in the area. But it wouldn't take a heck of a long time to build up those slimes. Like, I mean, they, it's a constant flow when I'm in my, my swamp base. So um, I, it, even as just like a feature. You know, like if you want to just, you know, people have those fancy waterfalls and like the foyers of buildings, like make a slime waterfall, you know, like just <laughs> yeah. maybe make it your own. Like I know it's not going to solve necessarily your spawning problem, but it might reduce it a little bit uh, in the area. Um, I think incorporating it in your, into your base was one of the solutions that was posed for, for Pirate Guy when we first had the email on the show. Um, going up to um, Sam's email, which is about um, slimes and, and a map in game. I'm, I'm all for anything in the game that helps with this kind of stuff in terms of finding slime chunks or other things in the game. Um, I think a map is probably the most efficient way and how I would want to do it. I think we suggested a, a glare, even though the glare is not in the game. Um, but having a glare freak out in a slime chunk is more charismatic than a map. Mm -hmm. But I think a map would be what I would want to happen. And you could have it still be kind of fun. Like maybe the map is like the map that the cartographer gives you is kind of slimy. Like maybe when you hold it, it kind of, does it make a squishy noise when you bring it out? Like, you know how the maps make like that paper noise? Well, yeah. maybe the slime map kind of like makes a fart noise when you bring it out or I don't know. You can have, you can have it be fun. Like it could be green and drippy and um, that, or you could maybe make something like a slime compass. So like instead of pointing towards your bed or spawn, the the compass is going to point towards you know a green compass is going to point towards a slime chunk i you know stuff like that could be fun and keep it in game not make it a huge pain in the butt to try and find a slime chunk but still make it something that's going to be worth tracking down in game and and something that will clue players in 
in game that the chunk exists yeah i i think any game in any in-game way of finding slime chunks is going to get my vote but i do wonder if one aspect that's putting mojang off making them more visible is the mechanical nature of them being only a single chunk like to me i think it feels less natural if you realize that slime spawning only occurs in a very mathematical 16 by 16 area right it's uh, it's not something that we can be like well it's the golden ratio and this occurs in nature all the time no it's like a very definite square and yeah i do think that it's difficult displaying that kind of thing on a map because if it's top down and you just see this very definite square then that's incredibly informative to the player and what they should do but yeah it it does end up breaking the immersion of this being a part of the natural world um i've been finding a couple more slimes in caves than i used to i think just by virtue of the fact that i've been exploring the caves more but also the uh the the amount of cave area that there is now and newer caves allowing for more slime spawns and so i'm fairly certain i know where a couple of slime chunks are but i would still have to you know open up the debug information or do some maths to figure out where the borders of that chunk were um without digging out a much larger area than i needed to so there's there's definitely some mathematical side of things that's going to have to apply anyway if you want to build a a, an at all efficient farm um but yeah i I like the idea of at least having something in game a a compass or you know a a map in this that works in the same way as like a treasure map does where it can lead you to a vague idea of where the chunk is instead of just having a big green outline around it and that would be uh potentially a bit more immersive keeping some of the magic of the game there while providing players who know a little bit more about this stuff already the directions for where they needed to go uh, let's move on to the last email here. This one comes in from Pretzel Pop 12 and the subject is wearable storage. Hi, Pix and Joel. I've noticed that in 1.18, my inventory has been filling up much quicker than before when I'm caving and exploring. I don't have access to shulkers yet, and I don't enjoy having to stop at lava every few minutes to chuck in my string, gunpowder, wood, glow berries, lava buckets, and other half-valuable items which I use all the time just to pick up diamonds. How do you feel about wearable storage? There are several mods that add backpacks to the game. More often than not, the backpack takes over the chest plate slot. Is that a good trade? What about a backpack that you can attach to a chest plate? You could craft it with leather, string, and the die of your choice. My sister suggested a belt with a little pocket, crafted with leather, string, die, and a bundle, when and if bundles are added to the game. I would love to know how you feel about this idea. Keep up the great work. Pretzel Pop 12 was blown up by a creeper while she was distracted listening to the spawn chunks. Oh, I'm sorry. I should put less creeper hiss noises into the game. <laughs> I uh, I was trying to remember what it was. There was something in another video game, and it was I think it might have been satisfactory, and it was like the 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 part of the construction noise of this thing sounded like a creeper, oh, and no. I was having like I was having like eye twitching moments, like I'm not even in Minecraft and I'm turning <laughs> around. You know, <laughs> it's 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 my favorite thing when streamers have sound alerts that are like Minecraft jump scare noises, and they're not even yeah. playing Minecraft, but it still gets them. It's it's yeah. the best. You know what else? Uh, there actually is an in-game Minecraft one as well. It's it's either smooth basalt or regular basalt. And part of the breaking sound of that block, not the whole sound, because you get a squish, but there's like a there's a, a hiss before the squish, and it's it like gives you like a half creeper hiss. Yeah, it's, I get it's very, I get very that similar. With, um, with deep slate now, I get that quite a lot. Like there's the kind okay. of dry, rattly pickaxe noise that happens before you actually mm-hmm, break the block. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's deep slate yeah. for me. 
Yeah. Um, as far as the backpacks and stuff go, I actually uh, did watch a little bit of uh, Etho over the holidays. He started a, a, a modded series and I was curious about it. And backpacks are one of the first things that he talked about. And uh, I I like the idea of a backpack taking the place of a chest plate. Like it has that trade-off. You know, it's just like your elytra. You want to fly around? It means less protection. You know, you want to carry more stuff? It means less protection. I'm I'm okay with that that trade-off. Uh I'm I'm with the the whole like movable, wearable storage thing. Cause like we can fly, but we haven't figured out a backpack in Minecraft yet. <laughs> Like there's a little bit there that kind of says like, I know we've got shulkers. I know we've got energy chests, but I just, there's something really convenient and just makes sense, especially early game before you have shulkers and before you have an ender chest. Um, I I've played mods where I feel like the backpacks get a little bit too, too overdone. They become more of a game thing than a real, like a, a fun kind of like add on, like a leather backpack makes sense. A gold diamond and iron backpack doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, like building the progression just, into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all of that to me just says, okay, well, that just means that uh, it's it's um it, like they just they couldn't think of a better way than adding the simple metal progression. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'd rather have it be like, okay, well, if you want a better backpack, like I remember days of the of World of Warcraft where you wanted to craft like big backpacks, and you'd have to like be a tailor find the right kind of enchanted cloth you'd have to have like spider silk from this really hard area to get so i think that there could be a way now obviously not in vanilla minecraft right now but when i think about mods i think about like all the different flowers that some you know magical mods add or all the different materials that that are added in some fabric mods and stuff like you could use you know enchantments or like flowers or something to say to like, okay, well, yes, you might want a backpack. The the run of the mill backpack is going to be small and almost useless. But if you go down this other game path that most people don't go like with flowers or, or farming or whatever, you know, getting cotton, then that could add like extra gameplay. The reward is going to be that you can carry more stuff. And I, I think there's, there's a potential balance there. Yeah, like, you've touched on one of the problems I have with a lot of those, like, progression-type things in mods is that, like, a chest being made out of diamond doesn't inherently make it bigger, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and that's that's the problem. It's just, like, it's, it's adding value to things that players already understand because it's in the progression of the game, but doesn't really make sense as a, as a detail. Um, and so, yeah, having a whole different gameplay system seems like a sensible way to incorporate this in a, in a more immersive way way um but I, I don't have any inherent problems with wearable storage like backpacks but i get the impression that mojang has done everything they can to avoid that idea coming to vanilla minecraft and i mean you mentioned the fact that you know we can fly but we can't figure out backpacks and note that we also get the the wings that we use to fly and the things that are effectively backpacks in the game from the same place <laughs> so they are both considered end game technology as far as like more portable storage goes you know um, in the meantime, you touched on it already, but I'll I'll double down. Don't forget the Ender Chest. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. little bit it's a little cumbersome to use, uh, especially if you don't have Silk Touch yet. I I had to get Silk Touch in my world before I'd even consider using the Ender Chest. But for caving in one eighteen, it is essential. Um, for a start, you're condensing blocks down into resource blocks, like your blocks of raw copper and gold, and probably you're turning redstone into blocks as you get it because you get so much of it throw them in the ender chest and not only are they stored away to save you inventory space it's also insurance because if you end up dying you don't fall into lava with you know a stack of diamond blocks on you 
Um, so I think condensing all of your precious material into resource blocks and just throwing them in the ender chest every so often, very good way to go caving in 118. And you can save the rest of your inventory for the, the string and the glowberries and the name tags from loot chests and all of that kind of stuff that, you know, seems like you could probably farm it later, but is a bit more time consuming to get hold of. Um, I'll, I'll offer a couple of alternatives because this is a problem that I've been encountering lately. Um, alternatively, rather than throwing everything in lava, if you can spare the wood or if you're near an abandoned mineshaft and you can just grab a, a minecart chest, throw some stuff in a chest and either mark the coordinates somehow or if it's at a sensible point in your cave that you know you're going to return to if you can come back, like storing the semi-valuable stuff in like little way stations makes it possible to retrieve that stuff later and you don't have the satisfaction of coming back from your caving trip with everything in your pockets but then you only have to go halfway back into the caves to find them and it's better than chucking them in lava and then regretting it later like if you end up regretting not bringing certain things back with you 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 get to weigh up the is it worth me going back down into the cave to go and get more of the you know two or three stacks of string that i got from this abandoned mine shaft or what have you i think it allows you to prioritize things without just completely erasing all of the the hard work you've gotten getting those those middle of the road resources i haven't done a lot of early game play in the last six to eight months but the, when i did i'm uh, i'm a hoarder like i just i don't throw anything away much to my benefit it means a lot of up and down and yes i absolutely complain about the amount of up and down you know live on stream but later on when it comes time to make candles and i've got all the string that i didn't throw away mm -hmm. it's, it's it's nice like it's nice to have all that kind of stuff uh the problem that i run into is like back at the home base it's like how much wood do i need to store all the stuff in chests like that's where i yeah. you know and and then like if you're used to end game but you're playing early game and you've got all this chest stuff and it's not your main storage area you're not where you're going to be like everyone dislikes moving in minecraft like when you've got a lot of stuff at a starter base and you want to move it into the thing that you've decorated nicely it's like an hour of like moving stuff into your inventory and walking across the field and dumping it somewhere is like that kind of stuff can get tedious but i i have always enjoyed the benefit of just being a pack rat in minecraft it's never done me wrong yeah, I mean, and, and speaking of packing things, like, get, get a donkey, get a mule, get a llama caravan, right? you know? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the game provides ways of allowing you to transport items, you know, sometimes in bulk, sometimes in great numbers. You know, if you if you take the time to breed llamas so they all have 15 slots of inventory, or, you know, you've got a donkey and you're trailing a bunch of llamas behind you, you can, you can get a whole bunch of stuff across the map with relative ease obviously once you reach an ocean it's a bit of a problem but i think players turn their noses up at those things because nothing is as convenient as shulker boxes are to the point where it's worth your time to go and kill a dragon and travel thousands of blocks out in an endless void in order to get the kind of storage that you can carry around with you and if that's your jam then fair enough but i think if you're still in the early game there are solutions out there you just have to compromise on certain things like the fact that you have to deal with animals in order to get stuff around but having just bred a donkey and a, uh, a horse together got, got myself a mule and realized that if you breed donkeys together with enough time they can actually add in some more statistics to the point where your donkeys get faster and you can breed a horse uh, with a donkey to get the mule and then the mule has some of the stats of the horse and you can eliminate some of the issues that make donkeys kind of impractical in that they're all pretty slow the first time you tame one um yeah you can you can use them to to greater effect um going back to the sisters belt bundle idea i will say that bundles 
when they are added to the game, they will potentially solve the problem of the slow trickle of mob drops, but not the potential stacks of the stuff that you'll end up with on longer caving trips. So the the bundle is going to be one of those things that it's possible to use occasionally and is still going to be more for organization than for bulk storage, which tends to be the problem that you end up with when you're going caving. Then again, whenever you're condensing stuff down into resource blocks, you've always got that like one or two lapis left over that still you know, burning a hole in your inventory that could be carved out for something else. And so instead of throwing that lapis into lava, that's going to get bundled up eventually. But uh, of course, Mojang will have to add bundles to the game before we really get to talk about this anymore. One of the mods that I played a long time ago had like a progression in the backpacks and that like, you know, four leather gave you like a hip sack, which was like six slots of inventory or an mm. eight leather gave you like an, uh, you know, 12 slots and a full backpack. And like, honestly, you you think like is it going to be better to wait and save up the eight leather or do i just build like the small one now and like you build the small one now like having a little hip sack for the extra six slots of inventory it's not a lot but it's enough when you're full you know mm -hmm. like when you're at the brink it's just i i i like the idea of having that kind of early progression i, I think again it's not something that i champ it a bit for for me because like i don't do early game like i already have more shulker boxes than i can carry something i could put shulker boxes in would be handy because my inner chest is full <laughs> yeah so, like mm -hmm. and, and end game problems you know small violin for for joel but uh moving on into the the main discussion this week we thought we would take a look at uh, the new year and possibly a new approach uh what are we looking forward to doing in minecraft this year whether we're motivated by the new terrain or just aspirations for creative projects. Uh, this was your idea for the discussion this week, Johnny. So like, what, what are you looking at, at doing in the new year? So this kind of ties into the previous email, really, about holding out on stuff like shulker boxes. I have started playing Minecraft very slowly, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to pacing myself this year more so than last year where i guess the last the, the the first half of 2021 for me was finishing up the season of survival guide and so it was a lot of very intense building projects and i didn't really let up on that when i moved into projects like empires and i didn't really spend long enough in my hardcore world to get anything huge done but it's nice to pace myself it's nice to take everything one step at a time and not rush things like the dragon. Like in my big Google Doc of episode ideas, I have not even considered the end and any of that stuff yet because there's so much to do in a fresh world. Um, I'm looking forward to doing some resource farms and I am still committing myself, this is kind of something I'm carried over from, from last year and the year before really, to designing farms myself instead of copying other people's ideas, going to other tutorials for you know the the it, i'll maybe look up some mechanics and stuff like that and the minecraft wiki is still invaluable in you know digging up new information about stuff that i didn't realize but i'm going to try my best to puzzle my way through the technical side of the game more myself and there's a lot of stuff that i didn't really touch on in 1.17 because i had a very specific focus for what i was doing in my youtube content so i didn't really spend any time with farming amethyst geodes um you know doing anything with big drip leaf if i want to make a parkour course or incorporate it into builds somehow i didn't really have the opportunity to do much of that i haven't seen powder snow until i started messing around in 118 worlds in snapshots 
Likewise, spore blossoms, even though we had a crafting recipe for them on the server, you could data pack them in. Didn't really bother with those either. And axolotls I haven't played around with either. I've had my fair share of glow ink, but I haven't done a farm for glow squid yet, so that could be an option. And amethyst shards are going to be really useful for tinted glass and... You know, I, I haven't farmed Powder Snow yet, so there's there's just bits and pieces. Like, I want to touch every part of this game over the next little while, and this is definitely going to take me into future years at this point, but I think planning ahead, making a checklist, and figuring out, like, what everything in the game is that I want to do is going to be my my thing this year. It's, it's going to be being a lot more organized about where I'm going to next and making sure that I leave no stone unturned when it comes to exploring all of the the mechanics that are out there. Yeah, I think that for us, like it, it's going to be that kind of a slow, slow burn as well. Like I, I, be, I we don't have to worry about progression in terms of the game because we've already gone to the end. Um, but I, actually, while we're on the end, that's something that I, I think that I've mentioned on this show before is that we still have. Uh, a number of times to kill the dragon to unlock all of the end gateway portals around uh -huh. the end yeah. island. And uh, I'd like to try and get to the point where we don't want to kill the dragon anymore. I think everyone on the server now has kind of like increased their comfort level and their skill set with Minecraft where using the dragon to um, drop Elytra is is no longer easier than going out to kill shulker boxes uh, or shulkers and, and explore end cities because it's so easy to reset the outer end islands on a multiplayer server when you have control over mm -hmm. um, the the server um, that I'd like to to do something where we all get together, kill the dragon a number of times until it's done and we have all of the gateways. And then we could start like a big build in the end that's permanent, like no longer going to fight the dragon, change the main end island from end stone to something much cooler looking and just kind of have some fun with some really cool builds in there. Uh, that that is something I'm looking forward to, and that also leads me into um, again. I guess the difference with you know your gameplay right now and mine is that I'm on a multiplayer server, which I treat an awful lot like a single player world. So I'm hoping to do more collaboration. I've, I know Alistair is looking to do a big dig. Um, I've got some other people that are on the server that are, are looking forward to having a little bit more free time in the new year, and I think we need to try and make a little bit more of an effort. Uh, it's the same as anything else. It's a server full of busy adults, so you kind of have to put in the extra effort to then meet up. Mm -hmm. hang out do something um so i'm looking forward to doing stuff like that because i am going to need a break um as this west hill project <laughs> pushes into its second year on the calendar i've had breaks in between but um I i'm going to need other things like when i'm done with the gray and the brown again you know in west hill i'm going to want to go do something technical or i'm going to want to help someone else even if it's someone else's project that's similar in color palette it's just it's someone else's project you know like dig a big hole here or help me fix these paths or like just whatever. Um, that kind of thing is, is something that I'm looking forward to, to doing more of in, in the new year. Yeah. I, I feel like I don't have much collaboration planned and maybe that's something that will go in waves for me. I spent uh, the last, you know, six months of 2021 on a multiplayer server and had plenty of opportunity to interact with people there and, and contribute to, to build projects and stuff. And I, always come back to single player i think because i like to have full control over everything and and my own yeah. sort of vision for the world is kind of important to me and maybe i miss out on some things as a result but i i like the single player pace a lot better i'm finding and so i'm i'm maybe going to touch on a couple of collaborative things 
as we wrap up stuff on empires but i yeah i get the sense that so much of my focus is going to be spent in this single player world which will mean me having to do everything myself uh but that's really where my my kind of wanting to to do everything step by step kind of comes in and it feels good going back to basics before i start building anything bigger but like you i want to start on some of those larger projects like you know medieval town kind of builds or you know whatever thematically occurs to me i do want to do something that feels fully industrial both in terms of mechanism and stuff being involved with it but also the look of the place and so that's a a vague idea that i have for the future is making something that feels a lot more piston powered both in the aesthetic sense and the practical sense yeah, I'd like to switch up my my build style for whatever my next project is. Like, even though I watched the Hobbit movies over Christmas break and I'm very inspired to doing something like Elvish, it's still very medieval, even though mm-hmm. it's medieval fantasy. Yeah. And I'm kind of thinking like, you know, I need to do something else like a steampunk or just something else entirely. And um, and that's something that I'm with you on like the control thing. Like as, a, as an artist and as someone that has a vision for an area, I do enjoy being the one person that that has control over that. However, it also means it takes a long time. And so mm-hmm. you don't get necessarily get that finished check mark as fast as you do if you're working with someone collaboratively. And one of the things that we're doing, um, which we haven't done yet, surprisingly, and I feel bad that I haven't really taken more of an initiative on this, is that on the Citadel, we have these fast travel points where you know, I'll bring in a command block and allows us to travel 10,000 blocks. And we're going to have to go farther than that to do some of the new 118 stuff. Uh, just to make sure that we have absolutely free reign and that we're not going to run into any chunk borders or weird biomes and stuff. And uh, once we get that all set up, I'm going to suggest like similar to our Dartmouth Meadows kind of like setup, uh, I'm going to suggest that we kind of all hang out in the same area and try and like help one another out or or build together or do something where, you know, not not necessarily as a rule, but just really try to encourage that kind of like collaboration or or even just playing with somebody you know and and helping to get some things going i might as a fun little kind of mechanic like leave the ender chest and leave the shulker boxes behind you know i'll bring my armor and stuff like i don't want to go back to like absolute basics but you know bring enough torches and enough stuff to get going it'd be kind of fun to kind of see what's going on out there Um, because i would like to set up a mine um, because i have one big mine that i don't necessarily want to make any bigger um, because i don't need more of those blocks like stone and andesite and stuff. What I do need is like deep slate and, and um, looking for those kind of new blocks, the, the deep, uh, the dripstone and the, um, the copper and all that kind of stuff. So setting up a 118 chunk mine, but have it be something that's as much of a build project as it is a resource gathering project. Like, mm-hmm. you know, put up mine supports and like, again, Hobbit, like if, if you remember the battle of the, of the goblin King <laughs> in that yeah. sequence, like they're just logs and pathways and ladders and stuff everywhere. Uh, pulleys there's with chains in the game. Now you can do all kinds of cool stuff. So that would be a really fun and very different project than what I'm used to right now. And I think that would be something unique that you could create. Um, I think a lot of the Minecraft dungeon levels kind of would inspire me, you know, in terms of, of that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Look at stuff like redstone mines and the, yeah, the exactly. kind of crisscross pathways, sort of abandoned mine shaft inspired kind of stuff. And yeah, mm-hmm. there's, there's some, some really great inspiration there. I think a, a cave base is going to happen for me at some stage, 
but I'm finding myself quite picky about the location and the environment. I've yeah. I've definitely explored a couple of those larger, more cavernous sort of areas and thought, no, this isn't quite right. Like, I'll know it when I see it, I think, when it comes to that stuff. And I think one of the things I would love to find is a big cavern with the abandoned mineshaft suspended from the ceiling, the way those things look with the kind of, almost as though they're like yeah. the, the, the wooden kind of wire supports for puppets. <laughs> it's kind of like this puppeteer kind of dangling the abandoned mineshaft over the thing. I, I, I really like the way those look. So I'm hoping to find something like that that I can convert into something that looks grander and more kind of built up over the years and not just a, an isolated feature in an otherwise uh, large cavern. I really wish we had like winches in Minecraft. Like I wish there was a way similar to, again, the redstone caverns and dungeons where you see things would be lowered or, or raised as you walk by. It's just pallets full of stuff going up mm -hmm. and down, mm -hmm. you know, like just any kind of mobility like that in, in a mine shaft would be really cool. Even if it doesn't have any function, it just kind of goes back and forth or up and down. That would be, that would be really cool. I mean, I guess you could put some mine carts like flying around to give it some motion. Yeah. Um, my, my not carts, the same as a lift, but maybe, maybe some slime or honey block flying machines, but then those tend to look a little bit glitchier than they are in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in reality. So yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, but potentially there's some, some kinetic stuff that you can build in there and maybe there'll be a chance to, uh, to build it in there. I, I think my overall goal, not maybe for this year, that seems very ambitious, but for the world in general is to build a base in every type of biome and that's not including oh, all of all of the kind of modified you know jungle uh like sparse jungle versus regular jungle like i just count them as one jungle yeah. for the purposes of not having to do every single thing but i would like to see as much of the new terrain as i can and allow the terrain to inspire me but still try to leave my mark everywhere and i'm also keeping in mind that future updates are going to change biomes so this might be our last chance to see a biome in its current incarnation before it changes more permanently. We've got right. swamps coming up and mangrove swamps aren't going to replace the existing ones, but maybe the birch forests are going to end up looking different as well. And down the line, we know that we've voted in the past for savannas, deserts, badlands. Some of those might end up changing quite dramatically. And so I kind of like the idea of almost giving them a farewell tour before they turn into something radically different or before a variant of them emerges that has everybody's attention. Um, and I want to connect more of my world in the process and and make it so exploring the world on foot or, you know, maybe using a, a nether hub if it's larger distances. But I want that to feel more intuitive and more natural. And I'd like to create a functional nether hub this time around rather than what I had before, which was a large central structure, but didn't have a great deal else going on because all of the portals I needed to go to were much further afield. We didn't go too far afield with ours, but it is a really cool feeling in Dartmouth Meadows on the server when you're just popping into the nether, walking 16, 32 blocks, and then popping out in a different part of Dartmouth Meadows, south or north or whatever, but everything is still connected by paths. So like mm -hmm. there's two different ways to get there. It it feels more cohesive. It feels more lived in and and it adds more of the passage of time feel to the build. Um and and after playing on things like Realms of Vast and like connecting things by road just feels good. Even if you don't use them that often, knowing that it's there, seeing a road travel off into the distance, you know, um it, it just adds that level of of time I think to to builds. 
yeah really creates a sense of history to the whole thing mm-hmm. and and yes. apparently history is what we're planning on creating in 2022 <laughs> instead of thinking about the future we all see uh for now though i think that's probably where we're going to wrap up our discussion for this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at the the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud as ever to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of listening to the show why not consider putting some value back in you can do that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks joining our community pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and gets us closer to our next milestone goal of having a monthly minecraft audio hangout with our listeners we're currently at 308 patrons which is down three from our last recording although that was episode 172 because we pre-recorded 173 uh so yeah hopefully we're going to see a few more people signing up in the new year and you are welcome to join us over on the discord a special thanks go out to our content engineer Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, Paulbo Baggins, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and tell them that they should listen to The Spawn Chunks, and they can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube, really, wherever you can find a podcast. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com, and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I'm now doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which is on a break while the Hermitcraft server is between seasons, but you can still find us through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm up to online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. I need to update the site, but all the links to most of the things I do are are there, uh, including things like the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. Uh, Stephen ESC is going to be back with me this Wednesday recording a new episode. I think we're going to be talking about The Witcher Season 2 on Netflix. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and, of course, Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I will be returning to the Citadel and the West Hill build, the medieval town that's taken me more than a year that's coming up this friday thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite so our ambitions can be too